Sonic Okay, hello and welcome to Sonic Talk number 78. Uh, we're approaching 80, which uh, seems like a nice round number. Um, this is the pre-Frankfurt Music Messer uh, episode and we won't be broadcasting next week because we'll be doing our thing over there. Um, those of you who are interested in more show coverage, more videos, more whatever... Come on over um, to Sonic State next week from the 11th, uh, 12th to the 15th. That's when you'll see most of it happening. Um, but this week, um, we've got our panel. Um, we're a bit down, um, but uh, a nice cosy group. And first to be announced is Mr. Non-Eric from Berlin, who is proprietor of musotalk.de for all your German podcasting needs. Hello, Hans. Hello, Nick. Hello, Nick. How are you doing? I'm very well. You've been a busy boy. I've seen lots of stuff going up on your site recently. Oh yeah, I'm I'm really dead now because I did so many stuff. I just did the plugiator from Use Audio, which yeah. is really really nice. That's the Creamware based and, uh, DSP thing, right? That's right. Yes, and and I think the week before I did the Mackie Control Universal Pro, and then Tom did uh, the Vox M plug for me, which is also funny. You know, there's this really really small little yeah, thing yeah. that you just stick at the end of your guitar. And then uh, on Friday, I had uh, Ansgar from DigiDesign in here, and we did a really, really nice podcast on Pro Tools LE and the Digi-003. So very, 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 very busy schedule. Wow, you must be getting some pretty hot moves on that editing software. Those, hot, those key commands, the, the macros, they're really building up now, I'll bet. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. Well, glad you could take time out. I know you're going to be at Mesa next week, right? Yes. We're going to meet and have a beer, I promise. Or maybe oh. maybe two, even. Yeah. If I can persuade you. Anyway, thanks for joining us, um, Mr. Norik from, Non-Eric from Berlin. And also, um, PJ Tracy from Minneapolis is with us again this week. I uh, didn't make it last week. Is that right, PJ? Or was it the week before? I, I'm, my memory's going. No, it was last week. Uh, got into the studio late, was having a bit of a technical issue while uh, uh, my computer was on the fritz, so I wasn't able to make it. But glad to be here this week. Okay, well, I'm glad you can make it yeah. too. How's how is it? Is it uh, poking up a little bit weather-wise, or are you still in the depths of freezing winter? Well, it's interesting. We had uh, really fantastic weather this past week, um, up into the mid-30s Fahrenheit, but now it's starting to plummet again, and I think we're we're probably at at the fringes or the borders of um, of pulling out of the the most frigid weather of the winter, and uh, of course. Daylight savings time in a couple of weeks here, so I'm greatly looking forward to that. PJ, you need to get a snappy URL that I can pop in straight after I introduce you. Oh, most definitely. I'm, I'm working on it. Because I, I was doing the podcast figures last week because I hadn't looked for a long time, and we're now getting 12,500 downloads a month, which is quite a considerable increase from when we first, first uh, well, last checked and first started, obviously. So, well done, everybody. Yay! Yay! And um, Mr. Dave Spears from G4Software.com. You see, see how easy it is just to trip it in on the off the end of the introduction. How are you, Dave? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Good, glad to hear it. I, um, you've been busy up to now. You kind of getting anything ready to show, or are you just kind of uh, going with the flow? Oh, what the messer, the messer vibe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not Nam messer. What am I talking about? Yeah. It all merges into one, doesn't it? It, it does. Um, I'm only going to be there for like 24 hours, so um, no. No, not really, is the answer. There's got to be a song, hasn't there, in there? 24 Hours in Frankfurt. Maybe you could Probably. get Murray, Murray Head should do a follow-up to uh, One Night in Bangkok. <laughs> 24 Hours in Frankfurt. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's... One night, one night in Frankfurt. Makes the hard man humble. <laughs> 
Do you feel humble, Dave? Uh, every time I go to show, yes. Anyway, Dave, um, glad you could join sure. us as well. We were a bit, we're a bit delayed here, and I might be talking fast because uh, I had to nip downstairs. The builders in the basement are kind of drilling really heavily. Uh, trying to knock a, a door through um, through solid wall, and it was just almost impossible. Um, but I'd like to say a big thank you to them. It was Rob, in fact, who said, no problem, mate, I'll stop for an hour. So we've got an hour. So that's pretty good. Thanks to them. Hey. Last week's uh, podcast, we got tons and tons of emails. It's the mo- you know, it seemed to be the most, the most sort of prolific one. And one of them um, was from Mr. John Bowen, who uh, actually we talked about MIDI and happy birthday MIDI and how uh, it needed to be updated. And he wrote me an email and said, apparently MIDI 2.0 is actually in development. And it was going to be announced at the 25th uh, anniversary, which at this now, but it wasn't quite ready. Um, so I'll just read a bit from his, um, from his email, which actually clarifies the situation. He said, there is a group that administers the, mini, the MIDI spec that is the MMA, or MIDI Manufacturers Association, and that's in the US. Japan has a similar group with a different acronym, but they've been working on MIDI 2.0, which um, he thought we'd known about, but obviously we didn't. Um, and I tried to look on the internet, and there didn't seem anything about it. Um, Carl Hirano, um, who used to be his former boss when he worked at Yamaha, um, when Sequential was bought out, uh, retired from Yamaha, but is in charge of the Japanese MMA. And every NAM, he updates me as to their progress of developing MIDI 2.0. Uh, it looks like NAM 2009 is now the target date to introduce it. They had hoped to refine the new spec in time for MIDI's 25th anniversary, but you know how these things go. He told me the last part of the spec they're working on is regarding the physical connection. What to use, since I guess the current MIDI connector isn't sufficient. So that's quite big news. It'll have to be, a you know, obviously a different kind of connector. So this is a big deal since obviously it affects all hardware made out there that uses MIDI, uh, the MIDI spec. The 2.0 spec is supposed to increase bandwidth and speed considerably, but it's still serial as far as, as, far as I know. So there you go. That's a bit more information on <coughs> MIDI 2.0 and a sort of adjunct to last last week's topic but we also got a whole bunch of other things that's quite good news isn't it uh i've got uh, o'reilly's digital blog open here uh-huh and it, according to them in 2005 they said this is specifically what's going to be included in midi 2.0 as as of this writing they said uh, uh more controllers especially non-keyboard controllers 3d spatialization control instead of just uh panning left and right right uh Looping information embedded in the MIDI files. Oh, cool! Peer to peer discovery uh, rather than uh, rather than blind data transmission mm-hmm. and uh, sample accurate sync. Right, which are kind wow. of what we were all kind of hoping for. So, yep. well, that sounds very exciting. We'll have to keep posting on that. I'd like to say thanks to John Bowen, who, as we know, listens to the podcast and contributed uh, in via email. So, thank you very much. But MIDI two perhaps next year at NAM then. I thought MIDI was dead. Yeah, well, you were wrong, Hans. Didn't you just review a, a, a MIDI controller? Well, it's, is that it's what you said in your review? <laughs> 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 All right, you got me. <laughs> I think what I said in the review is I said, oh, look at the back of this unit here. It's got MIDI, but don't be scared. It actually uses a higher resolution than the standard MIDI. And it's basically just using the MIDI as a lead connection to the computer. Okay, all right then. You're forgiven. Um, but on another note, I mean, we also got, uh, there was a chap called Shane King who wrote in. We talked, again, we were talking about Visage and Billy Curry. And that got, I got loads of emails. I, sent, I, I think I sent a couple out. I, uh, Dave, I know you posted a reply from Billy Curry on the comments of last week's podcast. 
And uh, this was um, Shane King, who was one of the people who was really, really pleased to hear this. He's a, obviously a big fan. And he sent me in a track. Um, I don't know if you guys got to listen to it. I'm just going to play a little bit of it. And um, I'm just because he told us a little bit about what he was using. And it was, it was just kind of interesting. <laughs> a bit more of that in the outro but um he said it was very much influenced by ultravox and obviously he's a big fan of that he did actually say you know it's not that i'm a real retro head it's just some songs kind of oh some songs cry out to have a certain kind of treatment um i thought that sounded like orchestral maneuvers in the dark didn't you oh yeah that was a real orchestral maneuvers in the dark but it was quite authentic i thought and anyway um i thought this might be a kind of continuing theme we could get people uh, who maybe got a track that's kind of got an interesting element or a relationship to something we've talked to to send one in and just tell us a little bit about what was used um etc etc and um so i'll start the ball rolling with um he used he started this in cubase apparently cubase 4 but he said it was a bit of a nightmare so he ended up going into logic he's got a uh, kurtzwell k2000 as the base Sequence bass is an ES1 through the Evoc filter on the um, that's the Logic vocoder filter. Lead is a Native Instruments Pro 5.3, and he uses um, the Cube, the Steinberg Hypersonic quite a lot, and as well as the SR16. And there's an SQ8 in there as well. Dave, what is that noise? That's you. Is it? Is it, is it, is it? Oh dear! It's not one thing; it's <laughs> another, isn't it? He his, his monitoring set M Audio DX4 speakers and a Moto 828 Mark One with a touch of Ozone 3, which I think is Isotope plugin that he used to finish it all up. While Dave sorts his technical stuff out, perhaps um, PJ. Yes, and he mixes that whole thing in the box, which I thought was kind of interesting. Did uh, and because it, it sounded of a, it sort of was quite authentic, but it still didn't sound you know just like another Logic one to me. What did you think? I thought it sounded great. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. Um, I was surprised to hear that all of this, well, maybe not so surprised to hear that all of the synths were in the box. Uh, they're just getting better and better all the time. Sounded, sounded fantastic. I thought it sounded like, um, a little bit like, um, the band Aha. Oh yeah. I know what you're saying. There's that sort of beat, wasn't it? The same sort of beat, take on me kind of beat, but slower. Cause and that the, was and the, really And fast. the bass part. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was definitely an eighties vibe to it, wasn't there? Yep. Um, one of the things he says that is his, um, um is his wish is uh you know if he can get a bit more exposure for his music then maybe he can bring the keyboard solo back into pop music which i thought was kind of quite a sweet notion no that's cool <laughs> yeah well <laughs> tj you're a keyboard player hans do you think um did 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 you enjoy that i'd like to make a remark here because uh um uh, pj said that uh it's really hard to tell uh whether these are real synthesizers or instruments in the box and i've recently purchased the sp1200 as i've already proclaimed many many times 
And yesterday I had a mate in the studio here and I was fooling him into believing that something that I was playing to him was actually the SP-1200, but it was just a couple of EX24 uh, samples through a bit crusher and a little bit uh, shelving off the heights of the playback and it's he couldn't tell the difference and he was really fooled into believing it was actually my machine it's funny how you should say that because i think you know that's something i've often find when i'm working with um you know new sampled instruments and you kind of think well they're just too bright you know they just they have too much information i roll it off a lot and i think that's really valid and it helps kind of give it a space i mean i'm I'm not a big fan of very top-endy tinkly things in um in the percussion and drum side i like to try and keep it sort of below the sibilance of the vocal you know if i can um but and what makes it also a little bit nice is by accident i added some noise uh-huh. you know i had some noise coming in from from the uh, built-in microphone from my laptop all right just like and and i thought jesus now everything seems so so much more are uh, pleasing to the ear in a way. So I put a little bit of that dirty noise in the mix, just a little bit. So could, could really, couldn't really, yeah, it sounded much better. Like, so uh, what's thought, that, isn't, oh, that what, isn't that the way that, uh, isn't that what dithering does, effectively? It in is. Way, yeah. yeah it's, so it's we need a, more noise. More noise. Well, I could, <laughs> more noise. I could exactly. be, but anyway, if you want to hear any more of that, get over to shaneking.com and there's a few more of his tracks up there. And they, yeah, they're, they're good. And I really appreciate Shane sort of bearing his music for us to all have a listen to and comment on. Thank you. If anyone's got a track they want to send in for us to listen to or has got an interesting piece of gear that was used on it that stands out, you know, we'd be happy to have a listen. Yeah, I think uh, what would be nice, I I was actually uh, thinking along those lines of maybe, you know, asking people to send in their tracks and then have the panel sort of discuss it. Yeah. Which would be nice, you know, or even one of the, the of the panel would maybe, you know, get some files and do something on it and explain what he did to make it better. I think that would be could be interesting yeah well let's 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 go with it and see where it takes us shall we yes uh, and hopefully it'll take us to dave spears but um he's gone i think he's i think he's in a reboot situation sonic talk sponsored by yamaha music production producers of the world's most popular digital mixing consoles accurate professional studio monitoring systems incredibly realistic and portable digital stage pianos Motif range of music production synthesizers and the latest N series digital mixing studios featuring the cleanest signal pump and full Cubase AI4 integration. www.yamahasynth.com Sonic Talk. Just like to say thank you very much to our show sponsors, Yamaha UK. We shall be meeting up with uh, Mr. Peter Peck, who is uh, our contact over there in Mesa, and hopefully seeing lots of new things from them at the show. We introduce my song, a system that automatically chooses chords to accompany a vocal melody. Creating music with my song begins with recording a vocal melody. A user presses the record button and sings along with a computer-generated beat. When the user stops singing, my song immediately generates a set of chords to accompany the user's voice. The user can listen to these chords as a piano accompaniment. Someday, when I'm all below, and the world is cold, I will feel a glow, just thinking of, and the way look tonight. Because there are many accompaniments that are appropriate for a given melody, 
My Song allows the user to adjust the chords chosen by the system using parameters that are intuitive to non-musicians. One slider bar allows... Right, I think we'll stop it there because it's quite it's a long intro, but it does kind of explain itself quite well. That that introduction, right, that introduction was this thing called Microsoft My Song. I found this via Create Digital Music, and it's a research project by a chap called Ian Simon from the University of Washington, Dan Morris, who's Microsoft Research, and Sumit Basu, which I hope is the right pronunciation. And it's basically a kind of application, as you heard, that allows you to sing to it, and it takes your melody, analyzes it, and comes up with some ideas for chords. But you can also, you know, very two very simple sliders, one sort of happy, sad, and one is sort of jazzy, straight. And, you know, it's, it looks like a very simple Microsoft, but it just struck me as a sort of, wow, isn't that kind of quite amazing? Is there anything, I've never heard of anything that does that. And, you know, okay, so some of the examples were a bit cheesy, but me personally, if I'm sitting there and I'm kind of, I come up with melodies occasionally, I'll never do anything with them. But if it threw some chords under it, it would really help me to kind of maybe develop those ideas. I mean, does anyone think the same way or am I just being hopelessly optimistic? No, I think it's a great idea. I th- it's, it's fascinating. Um, I've seen something like this. Um, the, I think it's PGG. Is that what they call themselves? The, the company that makes the program band in the box. Yeah. Well, they use that as Can, an ex- example, don't they? But yeah. Oh, do they use that as an example? Yeah. To sort of go against, but. Because that, oh, okay. that works from a MIDI, get... it works from a MIDI melody, doesn't it, rather than an actual Ex- exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you if you're not a musician, you know, there's a limitation there. If you can't articulate your idea, you know, using a MIDI controller, you're not going to get anything out of band in the box. So this is a uh, this is great for an amateur or or somebody who um who doesn't play an instrument but uh, but can realize you know would like to realize deeper musical ideas like I, you were saying but the thing for me was the fact that it could it could th- you know because th- it's easy to kind of play straight chords but it's the inversions and the choice and the positions of the chord that require the kind of skill in the, the from the musicianship and if this can just throw up some ideas that you could go well i like that and i like this and i like that i just think i, I mean I, I want it but i couldn't find anywhere to download it what about you hans <laughs> well i would first make sure that it's not just a very well-made demo. Remember when we talked about the hotspots? Yeah. You know, everybody going, oh, great, you know, it's marvelous. But at the end of the day, we really need to download the software, try it out, and first figure out whether it actually does as it proclaims. Well, that's true. I mean, but some of those singers were appalling. I mean, you know, I don't suppose, I think that was the point. You know, they weren't supposed to be any good. And it kind of, it did have a go. Um, but yes, I take your point, but it just seemed like such a great idea. And do you, do you think it is just an idea? Well, if it, it if it works really well, then it could be, you know, it could be great. Um, always like um, there's a, a plugin called Feelklang that does sort of suggest harmonies, which is also great. So, I mean, yeah, for somebody like me who is uh, basically uh, not a, a, an accomplished musician – it's everything that throws up some ideas and uh, is, is welcome. Yeah, I mean, I just think I could use that. I really do, you know, I mean, because it would throw... Because that's one of the things that always impresses me. When you sort of take, uh, say, when you're working on a remix or when I've worked with bands in the past and they're working on the songwriting process and they've taken a song and you think, yeah, it's great. And then suddenly they've just gone, wait a minute, and they've recorded the vocal and then they completely change the chords underneath and the inversions and the kind of the way that it relates to the, the melody and i just don't know how they do it you know i find it really fascinating yeah and it's a shame mark's not here this week because i think he's expressed the wish for a a program like this in the past you know something that would be able to 
uh, throw up ideas on a whim so that he could draw from them. And uh, I think I think a lot of musicians out there, musicians and non-musicians alike, would would really like to have uh, access to a program like this. It's a great idea. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I'm still here. You're still Hello? there, Hans. Is the f- Nick there? The phone went. Oh, I've got Dave. Right. Oh. Okay. Hold on. Had to conference. Okay. Let's go and get Dave. <laughs> this, is, this is turning into a nightmare for poor old Nick. Dave. Uh, the, dr- the drilling first, and then Dave, and everything. Dave. Dave's here. Well, what did you think of it? Did you think it has potential? I thought it's got huge potential. Do you think it's yeah. real, though? Because one thing um, uh, non-Eric mentioned, he said, well, it's great, but where can we download it and try it out? Do you think it was perhaps just a Smoke and Mirrors demo, or do you, th- do you think it was, it was sort of too... P- it, was, it was not flash enough, so therefore it was true? I think it's probably true, and I'll tell you why. It reminds me of something... I, I went to uh, Microsoft Roland Developers Conference many, many moons ago, and they were showing some interactive music... Um, compositional tool thingy that they were going to try and marry with video and what they were saying is that you know this will automatically compose a tune into the style that you require so if you have got a kind of fast action paced section of video you can input this and the parameters looked remarkably similar for example the happy slider and whatnot and then it would morph into um, you know, something else, so if you wanted a romantic section, let's say, it would morph from the action section into a romantic section. And at the time, it was very, very elementary. In fact, it reminded me a bit of Space Invaders or Asteroids. Um, but this actually looks like it's um, remarkably similar. But uh, just the power of being able to kind of hum something in, you know, I mean, like, you know, you've got a Nokia N95 or something that will voice record you well, just play that into your computer and then it have it throw a few chords under it. Because that's the way I struggle, because I don't have access to that sort of stuff or, or I don't have enough knowledge to be able to manipulate it with any certainty about I know what chord to choose to make it this way, you know. Just seemed like th- a really good, um, just for tuition, the potential is enormous, I think. Yeah, I thought yeah, it's massively exciting. As a, as an educational tool, it might be great as well because any time that you <clears throat> that you can give somebody some applied knowledge where they can sing a melody and they're sort of familiar with what it is that they sang, and then hear the way that you can reharmonize that melody, I think it it can really drive those concepts home. No, very exciting, very exciting. I'm th- I'm going to email them and see if there's any downloads because I'd love to beta test it because I think you know I mean I can't sing very well either and neither could any of those people as far as I could tell. So and it seemed to work for them, you know, and um and that was. Very cool. Assuming it is viable, do you think? Do you think there's any reason why Microsoft would release it? Or do you, I mean, because this could be kind of quite important, a big. Well, it could be a pretty important technology shift, like those things. You know, as soon as Melodyne started coming out, we started to see all these other things, Elastic Audio, and things that that obviously thinking was going in that direction that enabled these algorithms to be used in the various DSP applications. Do you think? Do you think we're going to see that? Because obviously Microsoft, if they're funding the research, they might not be so generous with their ideas. Mm, well, um, I really would like to give it a test drive. Yeah. You know, try it out myself. And because uh, that's always really important for me to, to, to get a really get a feeling of, uh, of something and just not, not just get the demo, but really try it out myself. Uh, but I think, yeah, maybe it's, um, everything is going in the direction that the computer takes control doesn't it? Yeah. In a well, way, in a way. Do you think that's taking control? Because, I mean, you're steering it and you're telling it how you, you... It's just working out the stuff that you haven't got time to go to the conservatory of music to learn, I suppose, <laughs> which is maybe not such a good thing, but 
I but certainly isn't, it, isn't, isn't, isn't the Harmony thing then maybe going in the same direction as now with all this loop content where you, you, you hear everybody in the same streets using the same Apple loops suddenly? I, you know? I, no, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't because it's not a production thing because it's, it's building blocks, this one. I mean, because it's a, a crappy piano tune. I mean, okay, you could probably revoice it, but I like the fact that it's not trying to be, you know, Fan- mm. It's not doing it in the style of it's just like plink plonk plink plonk. Here are the chords. Here are the inversions. Here's how we see it supporting a melody. That and, and that's I think that's a different a different thing. It's mm. more about the power of the song and getting the song right. Which mm. I think. I know, mean, yeah. I mean, for me, it would be really helpful because I can only play three chords. <laughs> uh, so a fourth or a fifth wow, chord. Three. Would, could- could, could be nice. Okay, two. Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I could do one, but I can make a seventh out of it as well. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean it brings us uh, more or less into the cut, co- you know, the band called Cut, Copy, and Paste, and or, or Trial and Error, the duo. I mean, that's that's definitely become more and more a way of making music, and uh, and that it could be an argument to say, well, uh, that uh, really uh, di- dilutes uh, the quality of music. But on the other hand, I think for me personally, without the technology, I wouldn't have been able to to ha- to have that uh, producer career that I had. Yeah, well, basi- yeah. ba- but basically, because it's uh, I was that being able to quantize what I played and being able to have a drum computer yeah, yeah. And, and everything that I, made I, it possible. I, I see what you mean. I mean, I, I feel about this slightly differently because, I mean, it's you're using your voice as the expressive part of it and the voice we're all able to articulate. You know, whether we can sing well or not, we can uh, improvise for an incredibly long amount of time and we do that just with our speech. So if I kind of hummed a tune, you know, and just went on and on and on, and you know, I could maybe do it for, a, I don't know how long this can record for and whether it, there's a finite limit, but, you know, you could imagine you could feed the top line from um i don't know that that queen track bohemian rhapsody into it and see what it kept you know what i mean there's all sorts of ways oh, yeah. that you could use it i mean i could see it as a remix tool as well i mean it could be very useful because you could feed the top line in perhaps and it would maybe suggest some other uh, chords that you could use instead of the ones that were already there i mean uh, uh, admittedly the result would be you know unusable in its form raw form but it would give you some pointers so you say oh right a g would work there or an f sharp or a whatever and then you know it could get you kind of going in a completely different direction i'm quite excited by it and i want to try it now mm. <laughs> <laughs> but on i can't I don't, well i don't care i don't care what it's on it doesn't matter no i want it on the n95 on my my nokia phone that would be even better yeah oh, i'm sure they could make it work come on the guys pull your finger out and give us a download link but anyway that's the uh, my song from microsoft it's very good uh hans i know you're uh, in a hurry i was rather hoping you could stay for the um let's give apple a good kicking topic um because i okay i stay for that one <laughs> then i may have to rush then <laughs> okay this is barry collins in pc pro magazine which i buy in the uk it's a kind of interesting magazine um, it's got a lot of kind of it's quite tacky but it's also got some other interesting points he's got an article that basically has a go at apple saying how are they getting away with this behavior because um the things like you know the non-replaceable batteries in the airbook and iphone the itunes monopoly uh the iphone linked to a single network and you can only get it on o2 in the uk and it's very expensive itunes downloads cost more in the uk than anywhere else he, he asked the question how can they get away with this i mean what would happen if microsoft did this kind of thing they would be absolutely 
crucified. How come Apple can get away with it? And his theory is sort of basically on fanboy journalists and what have you. And it, it made me think, well, actually, you know, that's a very good point. How do they get away with it? And um, while Hans is, I know Hans is in a hurry, but I'm sure he has uh, something to, to say on the subject. Uh, I would say they're getting away with it because at the end of the day, we're still using the stuff because it's so cool. So uh, do you know any download store out there that is as convenient as the iTunes music store? No. Do you uh, have you play? I've had several uh, MP3 players. Was any as good and, and as usable as my iPod? No. Why am I back to my MacBook Pro? Because yes, it's 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 a good system and uh, even if we we have all these complaints about it at the end of the day it is in many ways superior and i wouldn't want to do all my office stuff and my video editing and my music on a windows laptop sorry i've i've had many windows laptops before and now i'm back with apple and i i do not like a lot of their um uh, politics and i'm very very uh, thankful that they don't have the monopoly that windows that or microsoft has because that might even be worse under a regime of steve jobs well one of the things that 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 was also put in his article was the fact that the only reason they can get away with it is because steve job is kind of almost one of the only individuals on the planet who can handle the media properly and kind of get them on his side because he's also so sort of harsh if you you know if you kind of say anything out of line then you're off the list forever that's it no more invites no more tips in fact if you say the wrong thing we'll close you down guys you know and we used to say that sort of thing about um microsoft when apple were were in the ascendancy rather than you know when they were the underdog and we used to really resent it but somehow they seem to be able to get away with it it's funny isn't it wouldn't you say dave oh dear dave why don't you start skype again um pj you're you're not you know you haven't joined joined us in a sort of uh, OSX kind of sense so i mean you can say see things from the other side of the fence i suppose yeah um i own a windows laptop uh you know so in, in a bit of a contra to hans i i have no issues with it and i do um you know i do some animation with it i do uh, high test audio with it i do all of my office work on that lap- laptop and i have no issues so that being said, uh, when I look at this type of thing on the Apple side of thing, I find it I find it distasteful and I find it a bit like like you were saying before, you know, sycophantic. You know, I'm, I'm the the press is the tech press is a little bit is is a little bit sycophantic when it comes to Apple. It's I, funny. I mean, I, we because we you know I know um, Hans um, Nono kind of gives Apple a harder time. I mean, and I'm finding now, you know, because I'm using Logic Eight a bit more. I mean, I I absolutely hate it. I find it totally unintuitive or whatever. But I still would rather use that than you know the alternatives some of it some of it's really good i mean i i would totally agree about the mp3 player issue um i've owned several mp3 players as well and the ipod is definitely my favorite among them and and i use it every day and i and i love it um and i use itunes to purchase uh, songs uh, and of course we don't have the same issues here in the u.s that you apparently do in the in the uk but yeah, why is that uh, Sort of. I, I don't know. I, okay, I'll work on it. I'll, Thank I'll you. head out to Silicon Valley right after the podcast. But the um, the iPhone, I, I don't think I'd touch it. I no. mean, I'm certainly not going to be tied to uh, to an AT and T contract. I, I like my current provider, and 
I, I can't see doing that. And but how do they get the, away with that? Because surely that is monopolistic. You're not actually, isn't that cartelling? I mean, do you think it's just the fact that they've done it differently in every territory is the only reason they can get away with it? Because gotta they, be. It's they gotta could be. not get away with that. And, well, you know, they, they had, there's a lo- uh-huh. there, there was a lawsuit uh, here in Germany. Uh, T-Mobile actually um, got sued by, I think, by Vodafone. Uh, claiming that they couldn't, you know, um, bundle the, uh, the the phone with a contract, but uh, actually um, uh, T-Mobile got got away with it. Mm, it's funny how they do that. I'm going to try and Dave one more time. That was brought to you by ten point five point two. Was it? <laughs> oh, really? The latest upgrade is that what it is? Have you now switched machines? Uh, I don't know. No, I changed USB ports. Actually, bizarrely. Enough. Oh, really? Mm. Oh. Maybe that's it. So, Dave, I'm going to just come straight in. I mean, how do they get away with it? Because they make very cool stuff. Yeah, but the iPhone, the, the iPhone's cool, but I bought an N95. You're probably going to buy an N95. You know, we'd shot that uh, Susie and the Banshees on the road stuff. That's all shot on an N95. You know, I mean, it's like iPhone can't do that. Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, there are people who say that they're actually more corporate than Microsoft, isn't it? And I know, uh, you know, there's a few people I know who work at Cupertino, and none of them will spill the beans about anything under penalty of death. Um, so, yeah, I just don't know. But, I mean, you know, they they had a huge kicking in the sort of early 90s, didn't they? They were So, in a way, I'm kind of like, well, you know, let's see how they deal with the uh, glory days of, of now. Well, also, in this, in this topic was the... Um the evasive VP, Mr. Phil Schiller, who was uh, asked, I think it's about iTunes launch time, he's uh, being interviewed by Channel 4's Benjamin Cohen, and he just sort of slips in a, don't you think the tie-in with the iPhone to iTunes can be seen as slightly monopolistic? And the you could see him, look, I don't know if you saw the clip, but he looked around and his PR people just come zooming in and kind of basically tell him they can't. he can't ask that question. The VP says, you're just getting me to, to give you the answer you want. It's kind of like one of the, the points in the, uh, in, in the PC Pro thing is, yeah, that's right. I'm a journalist. I'm supposed to ask you questions. You know, that's the way it works. And it's a really strong illustration of like off message, no, sorry, you know, and I wonder if he'll ever get another interview. And it's, they realise they come in quite strong and then they suddenly realise that perhaps they could be a bit unreasonable and that one of the PR ladies says, oh, it's just that we're really busy today and we're really psyched about the iPhone and we just want to keep focused and it's just a but but the but the look on her face is absolutely pained the, the look on her face is if you mess with us you yeah. will never work again with Apple. and you know the, the the thing nick you know in defense of apple i want i wonder if you could categorize this behavior as monopolistic because you bring up the n95 and there are there are several other alternatives and i think you know you can choose another one of these phones and it's it's maybe akin to the xbox 360 and the playstation 3 where when you purchase those systems you have to tie into their network in order to download video games and play online and whatnot and apple's simply doing the same thing in different territories around the world and if you choose their product then you're tied into whatever service they provide over that product and that's you know that's your choice and nick yeah i i'm splitting okay well um this is uh, non eric thank you very much for joining us i know you're in a hurry thank you for sticking around while we went through our technical difficulties <laughs> no take problem. care musotalk.de folks don't forget it I can thoroughly recommend PC Pro Magazine. It's got some great columns in there, some interesting stuff. There's always good reviews on things like network storage and what have you, which I think might be useful for us because I have a horrible feeling our two terabyte lassie has just bit the dust, which is a really not a very pleasant oh. thought. Um, I'm going to have to go and um, see if I can coax some life out of it a bit later on. Um, but yes, so how come Apple get away with it? There was the title of that topic. And um, we don't know.
Do we? Uh, no, it's a bit of a mystery. But I mean, you know, things like iTunes and stuff like that. I mean, for me, I'm still in the sort of honeymoon period. I did used to go into HMV in my town and spend a hundred quid a month on various CDs. Some of them, you know, just from the cover alone, or you know, because so and so played on something or other. And now I get the chance to audition it and decide whether I want to buy it. And actually, I think my purchasing. Well, I know that my purchasing has probably stayed exactly the same. But Chris, who never used to, you know, buy as a buy on impulse like me in terms of CDs, has bought more via iTunes than anything else. Right. Wow. I've but yeah, I mean, I bought. I don't buy that much anymore. But I usually, I usually buy on iTunes unless I need to do something else with it. Which is like I bought the uh, Susie Sue Manta Ray CD, which is actually quite good. Um, just like to plug that now because we've just done. Uh, we've put the first episode of our Susie Sue tour diary um, sort of blog video blog up on that uh, Steve Evans has very kindly um, filmed for us and um, put that online. And I used the CD. Um, to you know, to provide some of the music beds for it because um, it seemed appropriate. I couldn't do that via iTunes unless I was going to record the output because it's all protected, obviously, and it wouldn't work in my um, editor. So, that, you know, it depends why I might buy a CD, and yeah. I, if I like the cover, or if I'm on it, maybe don't yes. get the same buzz of buying <laughs> your own buying your own album, you know, <laughs> on iTunes because you haven't got the, you haven't just got your name on it, has it? <laughs> Uh, and that's my big that's my big whinge yeah. from somebody who's a bit of a credit whore. Where's my credit on the iTunes stuff? Yeah. <laughs> well, while we're at it, we could we could big it up because, uh, as you know, um, Dave has a connection to Miss Amy Winehouse because his brother-in-law is the bass player and sort of MD, and Amy is currently at number one in the UK music charts. And Yay. I occasionally do some work for a band called Goldfrap, not so much on this album, and they're at number two in this week's UK music charts. So um, it's kind of kind of funny, uh, funny how that goes. Um, not at all relevant, and I'm sure now people will think we're probably minted and sort of coining it in. But <laughs> I assure you, it doesn't actually work like that. If I just kind of programmed a hi hat on one of the tracks, I I won't be seeing a large check as a result. I can assure you. <laughs> I'm just I'm just going to ask my butler to bring me a drink. Yes, excuse me. <laughs> actually, when I was saying the person was drilling downstairs, uh, it's actually it's my entire building. Yeah, no, it's not. We're in rented offices, folks. But let's just reiterate, next week, um, obviously, Music Mess is coming up next week. Uh, starts on the 12th of March. It's one of the biggest, geographically speaking. I mean, it's an enormous show in terms of floor space. I mean, it covers a broader amount of things. You can buy carbon alpenhorns, you know, brass, woodwind, all of that stuff. And there's also the, the sound and light. So there's the kind of live aspect. So it's a huge, huge show. And... Um, well, we're going on the Tuesday night and we'll be leaving on Friday afternoon to get back. I've got my cousin's wedding on the Saturday, so uh, I managed to buy a suit yesterday, so I'm all set. I can hit the ground running, sort of put it on, jump in the car, <laughs> and then go to the wedding. So um, so uh, is there anything we want to talk about with Mesa or could we could we wrap it up? What do you think? Well, I was wondering if, um, Nick, while you're there... As, you know, as long as you're going to be at Mesa, uh, along with one of those alpine horns, could you see if there's a company there, maybe Native Instruments or Digi has, has come up with this, um, a device that would plug into, I don't care how it connects to my computer, USB or, or AESCB or, or, or whatever, that um, would add about 23 hours to my workday? 
Ah, um, I think I know the one you mean. Um, I think actually it absorbs 23 hours of your work. Ah, isn't it? Yeah, There's no, a difference. I have, There's I a have difference. several iterations of that device. Yeah. I need the other one. <laughs> well, um, I think that's going to be it for this week. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Obviously, we've had um, Mr. Non-Eric from Berlin, who's left us already because he had to dash. Uh, we've got Mr. Dave Spears from GeForce Software. GeForceSoftware.com. Hello and goodbye. <laughs> and Mr. PJ Tracy from uh, thank you, Nick. Minneapolis. And just to reiterate, um, that kind of playing a segment of somebody's tune and having a listen to it and kind of discussing the bits, I mean, we'll probably get the format right, but as, a, as an idea, I think it could work. So please do send us, um, send us a tune, you know, that you think might be interesting. I, guess, I don't think we're really looking for a kind of um, I want a record deal kind of stuff. It's more like I thought you might enjoy this because I heard you talking about this synth or this effect, I think would be kind of interesting. Um, but we'll be happy to have a listen and maybe that'll work into a regular thing. I was amazed on that fade to grey response. I had loads of emails independently as well. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, it's a wrap for this week. And Dave, I'll see you in uh, Frankfurt, I hope. And PJ, I'll speak to you very soon. Take care. Okay, that's it. We'll play out underneath uh, Shane King's Make a Difference that we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. But uh, thank you very much to my guest this week. Uh, that's Sonic Talk number 78. Uh, you're listening to Shane King's Make a Difference. And uh, remember, folks, if you want to send any feedback or send us a track, um, that's something that we'd like to try a bit more, as we've said. Um, you can ring us on, a sc- on the Skype handle, Sonic Talk. Uh, numbers in the show notes. Uh, you can call us via the U- a US Skype-in number or a UK Skype-in number. And, of course, you can email those, I forgot to mention. Email us at sonictalk at sonicstate.com. Um, and that's it for this week. Thank you very much. Oh,